As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. Ben, today we got a cool topic, as we always usually say at the beginning of our podcast, right? But uh, this one, to me, this is this is an interesting one because uh, you've, you've definitely heard of the Rolls-Royce name, right? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, a lot of times you'll hear Rolls-Royce mentioned along with, you know, words like, Opulent or luxurious or lavish or you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out just how opulent, luxurious and lavish these things are. And I think we want to go back maybe to the very beginning and talk about where uh, some of these Rolls Royce cars came from and and why they're the, they are the way they are today. That's a great point. Our story would start with the dynamic duo of Charles Rolls and Henry Royce. Mm-hmm. And it goes way back. I mean, we're talking like, uh, you know, dawn of the uh, automobile, of course. We go yeah. way back to, you know, the late 1800s. And mm-hmm. as is the case with a lot of people from uh, the early days of the industry, you know, they were kind of tinkering around with their own thing, you know, on their kitchen table. Yes. Making engines, building car bodies in the garage, you know, or the carriage house, I guess, at the time. Very much a cottage industry. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, you get a couple of guys that come together. Um, you want me to mention a few things about each one? Because I've got a little, a few bullet points on each guy here, and I'll kind of tell you who they are. Yeah, let's trade, let's trade off too, because I have some, I have some cool little things. Oh, do you? Okay, yeah. let's start with, uh, Charles, uh, Charles Rolls. Yeah. How about that? Uh, he was a mechanical engineer at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, uh, see, he was an, uh, actually, he, you know what, an interesting point here. He was the first undergrad to own a car in his class in Cambridge, which oh, is remarkable. He, what did he do right after that? Isn't that weird? That's he crazy. He started racing. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so he's interested in cars. He's the only one, the first undergrad in his school to have one, which is, you know, nowadays, think about that. That's I know, I know. Um, and, you know, he, he actually, he was interested in racing. He had the the passion for racing, is what they said, mm-hmm. and uh, he he began to sell foreign cars on lots, you know, lo- at a local lot, uh, in order to support his racing habit. And that's amazing because he's still going to college at this time. 
How unproductive do you feel? You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Right. You he hear was, about that? He was doing an awful lot, I'll tell you that. So yeah. anyways, he was uh, – um, That's how he met Royce. That's how he met Henry Royce, right? Because he was looking to find some English cars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right. And you know what? He also became a uh, an aviator, which oh, was interesting. Yeah. You know, at a young age, he became an aviator. And he was actually – this is crazy. He was the first person to complete a double crossing of the English Channel. So that's where you fly. Think of that as round trip. Yeah, round trip, I guess. But uh, but still amazing. I mean, think yeah. about the time of this. this is, again, dawn of the automobile, mm-hmm. dawn of the airplane, really. And uh, here he is. You know, he's taking all these risks. He's a risk taker. And um, well, not to bring it down too far, but he does pass away in July 1910. Yeah, this ended badly for him because uh, 1910. Uh, that's really, really early mm-hmm. on in uh, in uh, the Rolls Royce history. Yeah. Uh, so, so Charles Rolls didn't make it too long because he was killed in a crash at an air show mm-hmm. in 1910. So, uh, that that passion for you know aviation also got to him. But uh, let's also not neglect uh, Mr. Henry Royce, Sir, Sir Henry Royce. Thank yeah. you, Scott. Later, Sir Henry Royce. Uh-huh. He was uh, he was knighted after World War One. Imagine mm-hmm. that. I mean, here these. Whenever I talk about something, and we mention World War One. For some reason, I'm just blown away. It just seems so, so long ago at this point. It is. It is so strange because we're nearing the point where it's going to be a centennial, I believe, of World War One. Yeah, I think you're. Yeah, it's coming up. It's really coming up quick. Um, but anyways, this is a guy, uh, Sir Henry Royce, who was. Uh, he was known for details. Known for. Um, perfection. Yeah, right? meticulous guy. M- meticulous. And, and you can imagine where this, you know, draws out to today's vehicles. Uh-huh. But, but, um, he, he owned a, a company that produced dynamos, electric motors, cranes, things like that. Um, and he bought a car, you know, an early vehicle. Mm-hmm. I, I forget the name of the vehicle that he bought. I, I want to say a, Here's the name of it. You know what? I'm looking at my notes. DeCoville? DeCoville? Yes, yeah. And uh, decided that it was just, <laughs> he didn't like it at all. He didn't like it. He, he didn't thought like it was it. a POS. Yeah, that's right. He, it was rough. Let's uh-huh. say, say it was rough. And uh, you can imagine, you know, it was hand-built vehicle back then. It was early, early days of the automobile. Uh, so he decided that he's going to improve on that design. And uh, that's kind of the, the principle that built Rolls-Royce. You take what's already out there, mm-hmm. right, and you make it. Better. You try to make it actually later, they say, the best in the world, right? Yes. That is um, – that hallmark of ambition continues to the modern day and largely you could argue that uh, the company delivers on it. One interesting point about Henry Royce before we move on, I just love this detail from their website. Uh, his very first patent, Scott, 1887, a bayonet lamp socket. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so even, even before he was, it's important for us to say that even before he was designing uh, his first engine around 1903, he was already very much uh, an inventor um, yeah, and right. a tinkerer. Yeah, and, and by 1904, he was actually taking his, you know, the vehicle. You mentioned the engine in 1903. Mm-hmm. By 1904, he was taking that car that he had designed out for the first road test. Which is so, so fast, such a hectic inventive it's, pace. It's incredibly fast. That's incredibly fast. And we talked about, uh, you know, the, the actually that's the very first year of Rolls-Royce production with uh, Rolls-Royce Limited in 1904. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's mm-hmm. early, early on. Now, uh, we mentioned the death of uh, Charles Rolls, so we should mention the death of Henry Royce also. Um, he died in 1933. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's still fairly early on in the company's history. Um, and get this, his ashes are in an urn at the Rolls-Royce company headquarters. Wow. I know. 
I did not. I, I did not know that. Yeah. So they've they're housing his uh, the ashes of Sir Henry Royce at the Rolls Royce headquarters. And were he to see the company now, there's no doubt that he would be proud because they continue in. Um, Nice. They're they're both still alive in 1907 when they really when they really break into what I guess we could call the mainstream. Yeah, you know what? I think they would recognize the company in that you know it's 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 perfected um, situation. I don't know how to say this, Ben. Yeah. I'm mean, saying that that everything that Rolls Royce does. I mean, when we we mentioned the terms, we mentioned uh, luxurious and lavish mm-hmm. and opulent, uh, but. Perfection is another one that they mention, and mm-hmm. there's a reason for that because you know early, early on, and I, I said that he was one for perfection. You know, uh, Royce was. Yeah. Um, early, early on, that, that's one of the uh, the the quotes that's been accredited to him. You know, long through history, is that you know his employees were urged to strive for protection, protect uh, perfection rather, take the best that exists and make it better. That was what he said. Take the best that exists. Make, make it better. better. Make it better. So I can I can see how you know maybe if you were to uh, come back today and see a Rolls Royce of today, he would say you know that we're still doing it the right way. Yes, I I'm tempted to agree with you. However, just just a completely a psychological point here. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who do say take the best of the best to make it better, mm-hmm. when they 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 were not going to be completely satisfied ever. So he would probably come in and he would, you know, he would have a few things to say. But um, can I mention something? Here? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should talk about the very the current Rolls Royce, and then we'll, and then we'll go back. I promise. But you okay. know, I'm, I've mentioned time. a few times here, and we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, but yeah. but um, the, the the Phantom Series Two car. Now this mm. is from uh, a Motor Trend article in May of 2012. Okay. Uh huh. They say that the, uh, the the price of this thing, first of all, is half of a million dollars. It's five hundred thousand dollars for a a Series Two Phantom. Okay, mm-hmm. and if I say, oh, by the way, if I say Phaeton a few times in here, I mean Phantom. I keep saying Phaeton by mistake. So uh, the Phantom Series Two is about five hundred thousand dollars. That's you know ballpark average. Right. The owner's average net worth, Ben? Yeah. Thirty million dollars. What? Yeah. Yeah, thirty million dollars. So um, that's average. Wow. I know it's incredible. That's a pretty elite crowd, I would think. Um, and here's what you get. I mean, you know, you get the, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a long list of features that it has, and you know, right. it's it's a it's Brilliantly put together. It's a it's a really nice car. Um, almost all the changes that you know are from the pre they come from the previous model. Mm-hmm. Anything that's new that makes the you know the twenty thirteen or fourteen or whatever model of the year they're on now. Yeah, they they're said to be extremely subtle, but um, the owners of, but they say that the owners of Rolls Royce cars are the type that will notice extremely subtle differences in the vehicles from model year to model year. And that's a great point because. We should mention that Rolls Royce has an incredibly loyal customer base. They do, and and these types of minimal changes, these these really really subtle changes, mm-hmm. those things matter to the people that buy these cars. Yes, like what what's one example to show how subtle? This um, is? like uh, the the, uh, the well, first of all, lights are LED. That's not something you wouldn't really care about. But um, like the grill. Okay, mm-hmm. the grill, instead of being three pieces that were uh, bonded together, they're now a single-piece grill. And an owner of the, of the Rolls-Royce brand would understand that, that is, that's, a, that's a measure of quality for them. They're saying, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, this, this, my, I need to have the 2013 because uh, it has that single-piece grill that I so desire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little dramatic, but you know what I'm saying, right? It, is it, though? It might not and be. And you know what? I'm level. talking about, like, wood grains and things like that and, mm-hmm. and features that, 
you know, you wouldn't really, you wouldn't pay attention to otherwise. Now, I've, I've watched a lot of videos about Rolls-Royce cars being put together of the last, you know, while we're researching for these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's all starting to get, you know, jumbled up in my head. But um, every single one of them stresses quality. They stress craftsmanship. They stress patience. They stress, you know, the the the, the human touch on these things. Right? Yes, yeah, and very much so. Very much so, yeah. And so, you know, when you're watching these things, it's it's you're watching cabinet makers that are making the interior panels and they're matching up wood grains and they're mm-hmm. they're looking at pieces of leather and deciding that you know that one's not good enough because I can't get the um, I'm going to guess 300 pieces of leather out of this one one piece that I need. And if that uh, you know the other four pieces don't uh, don't match, someone's going to notice. Yeah. Um, that's kind of you know the level of detail that we're talking about here. They're, they're all craftsmen that are there, and they're hand built. Um, I've got numbers here. I'll, I'll find them in a minute in my notes. But um, you know, we'll talk about like the the lack of robots on the facility. I mean, there's yeah. four, I think there's like a total of four that do some of the painting work, but not all of it because you know it's not detailed enough for the uh, mm-hmm. f- for the standards that they've they've decided upon. I mean, let's be um, honest, Scott. Even in the modern day, Rolls Royce is still Essentially, a coach building co- company. Es- essentially, they are, yeah. Because I mean, but here's some numbers that'll impress you, Ben. There are. It takes up to 17 days and 450 pieces of leather to create the interior. How about that? 17 days for the interior leather alone. Yeah, that's right. And 60 people, uh, woodworkers, um, you know, the seamstresses that are involved in putting the seats together, um, you know, the, the technicians that work on the engines, of course, um, you know, the surface finish people, you know, that, well, that's another thing, Ben. When they leave the factory, each car is hand polished for five hours with lamb's wool cloths before it's delivered. Yeah, we talked about, I, I think you mentioned that one off air because we had, um, as we were recording this, we had uh, taken a break for some holidays, and this was this was one of the things that we talked about before the holiday. Yeah. I remember you you, st- you stopped and said, "Hey, hey, one thing though." Yeah. They polish these for five hours. Yeah, isn't that incredible? I don't know why I find that that stat right there so amazing, but but I do. Mm-hmm. To to take a finished car when it comes off the off the line, usually it's really clean, yeah. really ready. It's ready to go. I mean, you see them rolling off the factory lines all the time, the big three, whatever, um, and and they're put on a truck and delivered. You know, they'll be cleaned up a little bit at the dealership. Right. Well. <laughs> to leave the factory after five hours of hand polishing and you know clean, you could imagine the level of detail that these guys put into this. So mm-hmm. uh, they they arrive to the Rolls Royce dealer ready for the uh, the new owner, immaculate, um, absolutely immaculate. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's definitely a labor of love. Yes, and um, since we've we I think you were right that we should tra- we we did need to travel into the future a little bit to yeah. show people this stuff. We went a little farther than I meant to, I'm sorry. Well no, this is perfect because we've got the we've got the price tag and we've got some very interesting stats about the average net worth of the owner. Yeah. Um the one one thing we should million. mention, uh the engine there is a six point seven liter V twelve. So this is not awesome. a paper tiger, you know. That this is this awesome. thing uh has four hundred and fifty three horsepower it uh, can do zero to sixty in under uh, six seconds, and when you look at these cars, let's be honest, that is surprising. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma 
grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, you know what? And... A couple things about yeah. this. Uh, they're up to 453 horsepower, like you mentioned. And, you know, they're, they're really, I mean, <laughs> it's it's an ultra-luxury vehicle, but, I mean, that's that's like supercar performance almost, you know, because they, mm-hmm. they, they've got a lot of get-up-and-go. Let's just put it that way. And if you go back to the very beginning, when you go back to the, uh, you know, the 1904 to 1906 models that have 10 horsepower. Yeah, um, good or, call. And they didn't have anything really bigger than a six-cylinder up until about you know nineteen. I think it was late '06 yeah. um, when they actually got the the V8, and um, you know much later. I will talk about it in a moment here, but they went up to V12 early on. And the thing about these Rolls Royce engines, Ben, they're so well put together, and you know they they how they they're they're often compared to like a, a watch, the inner workings of a watch. That's a really good comparison. And. They they call them whisper quiet. That was a that was a term that they used um, to describe the Silver Ghost, um, which yes. is one of their early big models that a lot of people have heard of. Um, it that refers to a, a specific vehicle because mm-hmm. that was the one that you know everybody saw early on before there really was a Silver Ghost. Yeah, when it uh, went more than fourteen thousand miles. Yeah, famously, actually more than that. There was more to it than that. Even yeah, then. I I was reading this uh, this this little bit about this. Now you said fourteen thousand miles. There's uh, fourteen thousand three hundred seventy one. Okay, that's right. That was an that was an endurance test, right? Yes. And 
and that was when it was driven between London and Glasgow 27 times as part of just to show its reliability, mm-hmm. quiet operation. It was a uh, the specific vehicle, the, the one car that they called the Silver Ghost, uh, was a demonstrator car. Uh, so they built this early on, and that's kind of like to me. Doesn't it seem like a little bit of a you know the dream car Harley Earl thing like you know yes. let's build one early on and see what people think. Yeah, it's very much a, it's very similar to the concept car idea. You know, before we make five hundred of these and hope people buy them, let's just make one and see how people react. But it, but it wasn't so futuristic and fancy no, that they no, no. that they couldn't achieve it. Yeah, this was a. I mean, we're showing you the car. We're gonna we're gonna demonstrate it. But the but the idea was quietness and reliability. And it showed both because they said that it had a uh, it had ghost-like quiet operation, and that's how it got the uh, the ghost name. Mm-hmm. And the silver part of it obviously comes from the silver-colored body. Yes. Um, and ultimately, you know, you mentioned that there's the one car that was the the demonstrator car, which you know famously was that chassis number AX201. Um, they built almost 7,900 of these things. So there was quite a, there were quite a few of these built, and I know I've seen a few of these in collections here and there. Yeah, they're, they're still around. They're extant um, because the Silver Ghost, as you said, they made quite a few, and it was in production, this antecedent of the Phantom that was in production until 1925. One thing that might be very interesting to a lot of people unfamiliar with Rolls-Royce is uh, they've heard us refer to this as... The, the new one, the 2013, mm-hmm. as the Series 2. But, of course, that name is a little bit misleading because there have not been uh, – there's not just this one sort of phantom and the silver ghost. There are there are several phantoms. Oh, yeah. We've got several um, versions of this thing. What do we go up to here? Seven, am I right? Uh, yeah, I think you're I, right. I think it goes up to seven. No, six. I'm sorry. And then the uh, the current version is just called Rolls-Royce Phantom again, the oh, present right. version. So, I'm counting that um, one. The, uh, what I'll call historic cars, I guess. You want to go yeah. back to – let's call the first six historic. That's um, great. And, and these, are, these are right after the Silver Ghost, which was – Officially dubbed by Autocar in 1907 as uh, what they call it the uh, the best car in the world. Yes, and the, the uh, best car in the world, Ben. 1907. <laughs> now that's that's pretty remarkable. I mean, but looking at the Silver Ghost and what it did, and the reliability, uh, and the quietness, and I mean, okay, I keep getting off on these tangents, but I want to tell you something. <laughs> I used to work it. when I was in Detroit. I, I worked at this this studio, you know, doing video production. And there was a shop down the road that would do like concours level restorations on cars. Oh, cool! And I had a friend that who originally had worked in like a parts shop and was now coincidentally working down the street from me in this in this uh, facility. I've mentioned this before. Yeah, you've mentioned this guy before. The guy that would buy the Duesenberg um, parts and you know like the five thousand dollar oil pans and things Mm -hmm. like that. This is the same shop. They would drive those cars through. It was a it was a closed industrial area, mm-hmm. and they would drive those cars through our parking lot sometimes. You know, just to to exercise them, to to stretch them a little bit. Yeah. So you got these remarkable cars coming through, just incredible. And they would bring like these old Rolls Royces from you know like the the nineteen tens, nineteen twenties through our lot, and I swear to you, you couldn't hear them running. Really? No, they were they were like it was like a golf cart, you know, like an electric golf cart approaching you. Mm-hmm. It was that much noise. All you heard was the wheel noise, like on the those, wheels touching the road. That's it, and wow. it was so so quiet. It's just amazing. Like I, I I can't express to you how strange it is to see something that m- large moving toward you or past you, and you never hear it. 
It's really amazing. So the, this whisper quiet or this ghost-like mm-hmm. um, motion. It's real. I, I completely understand it. I really do. Because, I mean, imagine a V12 working under the hood of something yeah. that's, that's, you know, 100 years old at this point, mm-hmm. and you don't even hear it. I mean, I don't know whether to be more impressed by the original craftsmanship or the mechanics. It's precision because, you know, they originally came from the factory that way. Yeah. It's, oh. just, it's again, it's like the uh, the watchmaker precision. Yes, yeah, so the Phantom, as as we've said, oh, that's a cool creation. story. The Phantom is not a um, an ironic name. It's not like Little John. No. <laughs> it's not the name for no. the largest. So um, the first Phantom comes out in 1925. It's a replacement for the Silver Ghost. Mm-hmm. And this has a couple of different things. Perhaps most notably, it has a straight-six engine. Yeah, which is nice, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a little bit more power. Um, and when we talk about more power, I mean, we're going from like 10 horsepower or 20 horsepower up to, uh, they had two models. They had a 40 and a 50. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that designated which power level you were at, 40 horsepower or 50 horsepower. And if you look at the um, the Rolls-Royce Phantom 1 mm-hmm. um, in any photos, uh, these are extremely stately cars. I mean, yeah. they're really long, long vehicles. And it, it almost looks like something the Munsters would be riding around town in, doesn't it? It does. I it- mean... <laughs> You wouldn't want to parallel park it. Massive headlights up front, you know, that <laughs> yeah. are you know, like a foot and a half across. They're huge, and it's mm-hmm. got a long, long hood. Um, clearly a chauffeur's area in the front and a cabin in the back for you know, right. passengers. Yeah. Um, very, very cool car. And they built uh, – this is surprising because it's already, it's already aimed at a specific demographic, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's fairly apparent by the fact that there's a chauffeur area, right – but they still make and sell thousands. Yeah, like uh, like thirty five hundred of these things yeah. were made, uh, which is pretty remarkable at the time. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of vehicles for this high end clientele that they had. Because even then, yeah, you're right. They were they were focused on uh, an upper level uh, class of people, and um, you know later that may be a little tough sell uh, when you get into like the 1930s and you know, the Great Depression and also the wars, you know, yeah. when you're talking about that, that kind of issue. So, um, Oh, you know, one other quick thing, I've got a few notes on these. I've got, yeah. I've got a list of these as we go through in like one, two, three series. Mm-hmm. And then a few notes here that I just want to mention on each one. We won't get too in depth on them, but, um, definitely going to quick fire facts. So yeah, so just here and there. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this surprised me, but they were offered with a three speed manual or a four speed manual transmission in that big car. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that shocked me because then I thought, like, well, automatic transmissions were much later. They were in, like, the 1930s. And yeah. uh, the first mass-produced cars would be, like, you know, the GM cars of uh, the, the, the mid-30s. Right. So early on, you know, you got these huge vehicles like the Phantom 1 driving around with, you know, a stick shift. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, to me, along with that, uh, that quiet operation, I don't know if that it kind of depends on how your chauffeur shifts, right? Right, yeah, it depends on how well your uh, driving person is. They yeah. still have a four-speed um, when the Rolls-Royce Phantom Two comes out in 1929. Yeah, 1929, and that kind of overlaps. That's strange. Yeah, there's a, it is interesting. There's an overlap here, and there's a few overlaps. I've got I've got them listed here, but um, yeah, they have an overlap in uh, in production. So you know, they made the Phantom One until 31. Mm-hmm. The Phantom Two came out in 29, as you mentioned, um, and I don't know. It's just it, Another beautiful, beautiful car. I don't have a photo of it in front of me here, but um, we've actually got an article um, on our site yes. from Consumer – well, actually, the uh, the Consumer Guide auto part of it. Mm-hmm. 
and um, they list some pluses and minuses of this. And one of the uh, one of the pluses, um, you know, no cost engineering, exquisite looks, reliable. That's in one of the things. Yeah. Um, restoration, you can still find parts for them. They're prestigious. The minuses, um, archaic road manners and heavy to drive, of course, as you can imagine. Right. Right. Very expensive. It says you'll need a mortgage to restore one. Ouch. I can imagine. Yeah. Even though parts are available. Um, is that specifically the Phantom 2? The Phantom 2 specifically. They say yeah. that you'll need a mortgage to restore one of these things. So if you find one out in a uh, in a field somewhere, nice find, but uh, think twice about taking it home. Talk to your broker maybe. Yeah. Maybe get it in, uh, <laughs> turn it into a rat rod. And they didn't um, they didn't make as many Phantom 2s, though. Maybe that part of that's because of the overlap. Now, and, and, Ben, the horsepower goes way up. I mean, it almost doubles here at this point. So the horsepower, which mm. is strange for them to actually quote horsepower at this time because yeah. they looked back at these and they did this. Um, it was 120 horsepower, and that's a significant increase from the 40 to 50 from the previous model. Yeah. However... They didn't officially quote those horsepower ratings at the time, I, and I thought that was unusual. It was in the article that said that, um, you know, at the time it wasn't a big thing; it wasn't a selling point really for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't say, you know, here's our twice the horsepower model. It just had a bigger engine, and mm-hmm. they knew it was faster. But they didn't come out and say, like in their advertising, step up to the 120 horsepower model or anything like that. Maybe they would have seen that as undignified. I, I don't, don't know. know. But now, I mean, today it seems like that's all that matters. You know, at some point, you know, yeah, that's they, one of the biggest. Selling points it, not of all that matters, but I mean, look, they're up to 450 something, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that there are versions out there with even more than that, or or versions planned. Yeah, you forthcoming know. versions. Yeah, I mean, look yeah. at some of the Bentley cars; they're they're no way kidding. up there. So, um, anyways, I thought that was interesting that they don't normally quote them, but they did for you know. Going back, you can find out what they were. Oh, two other things before <laughs> we get to Phantom Three. Ooh, uh, yes. Interesting, the Phantom Two. Uh, their production line included more than 100 left-hand vehicles. No kidding. Yep. Hmm. So that's the specification, and I agree. If you're paying that much, then you should be able to have it whichever way you want. I would like to drive in the middle. <laughs> I want the steering wheel directly in the middle. Like the uh, new McLarens. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Uh, also, there are slight differences between the U.S. and the U.K.-produced Phantoms. Oh, okay. So I just we just want to get that out before we get the letter. Yeah, this actually, yeah, so if we read something here that doesn't jive with what you've got in your mm-hmm. garage or your grandfather has in his garage, then uh, you know that's why. And uh, we would be delighted because that would mean that you are probably a millionaire listening to our show. And that's maybe, really maybe cool. not. I've got some uh, Craigslist numbers that that's surprise right. you. Yeah, oh. Should I should just say it? No, not yet. Not yet. Oh, okay, yeah, we got to save them. Okay, so Phantom Phantom Three though. This is interesting. 1936, 1939. Mm-hmm. This makes it the um, the pre-war Rolls Royce. That's right. It's still it's still pre-war. All of them up to this point are pre-war. Um, pre World so War II. Pre World War II. That's right. Yeah, which is strange to say again. Yeah. But uh, pre, <laughs> anything called a pre World or pre War car is anything prior to World War II. Um, so this Phantom Three, um, I've got some information here about a touring limousine uh, that had an interesting feature that I, I mean, can't believe how advanced this is. Okay. The only note that I have for this one really is the advanced um, extras on this car. All right. Um, and one of them in particular that really stood out in my mind was. Um, well, okay, first of all, they, they stepped up from this point. This is the year where they stepped up from a six-cylinder to a 12-cylinder. Uh, so yes. that's that's major. No, don't get me wrong there. But listen to this. The chassis had built-in hydraulic jacks. 
so that you could, you know, if a passenger, because you're being chauffeured in this thing, passengers wouldn't have to be bothered with exiting the vehicle if they had to change a tire, which, as you can imagine, was probably common in those days, with the roads being the condition they were. So the chauffeur would get out and change the tire and get all dirty and everything. Um, But built-in hydraulic jacks in the chassis that would drop down and raise the vehicle. Now, that's that's like current Formula One technology in a car from 1937. That is amazing. That's incredible, isn't it? I guess maybe it just didn't catch on at the time because it was such an such an elite, such a high end thing. I I guess so. I mean, there, I mean, there's no way that Ford could have mass produced that. I, I no, not for the cost that they wanted, not yeah. for the cost point that they wanted to hit. Now, of course, in a Rolls Royce touring limousine, I don't think it's really a big deal. You add something <laughs> right. like that, and it's like, well, that's a ten grand option. I'll take it. That is, um, that is impressive. And maybe not even an option. That was probably standard, you know, mm-hmm. if, I, if I had to guess. But to me, I mean, for something that, 1937, to have that kind of technology, yeah. that's incredible. And, uh, and that's that, just one example. That's just one example. That was also, um, <clears throat> I believe that was the last model, right, before World War II. Uh, that's correct. That's correct, because then there's a gap in production, um, and there's an actually there's an 11 year break in production for mm-hmm. World War II, and um, you know what's strange here? I have in my notes, and I'm gonna uh, kick myself, but uh, for World War One, I, I have World War One notes for some reason. <laughs> I, I have mentioned here, and I, I just want to say it that yeah. uh, Rolls Royce made tanks and airplane engines uh, during World War One. Um, so <laughs> maybe I just forgot to put the two on there. I don't know. Let's well, we should, uh, this is a, this is a great point to do a plug for an earlier podcast we did on automotive production and World War II. We've got an entire podcast about the, um, about the ways in which the auto industry was affected. Then I'm shaking my head because that is truly World War One that I have written down. And I'll tell you why, because, uh, because of his role that he played in the war, you know, for, um, mm-hmm. you know, helping the allies, um, that is the reason that uh, Sir Henry Royce was knighted. That's right. So it, it, I'm going back in history here, but uh, for World War One, that's the reason, because they made tanks and airplanes at the factory, and they played a significant role in helping the Allies. So that's yeah. why he was knighted. But uh, for, for World War Two, there was a break in production, and I yeah. don't have in my notes here what they made, but I'm sure that they had an effort in the in the war. I believe it may. I believe it may have also been tank parts. Okay, I would. I, I, I would buy I, I that. And so. you know, they've always been big in uh, the aerospace industry. Sure, um, engines. Yeah, later in marine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they had anything to do with marines, uh, the marine engines at that point, but uh, I would guess that they did. Yeah. Um, but always big in um, airplane engines. So, and and even to this day, you'll still see Rolls Royce tags on jet engines. And uh, the engines in the jets are uh, supposed to be as impressive as the engines in the cars. I would believe that. Hey, Ben, you know what? Looking at my notes here, I, I'm sure that people have heard me shuffling. <laughs> I've got a pile of notes here about this, mm-hmm. um, about about the Phantom. I, I think maybe let's let's break it up into two parts. You want to you want to make this our first part? Okay. We'll have a second part later on that will come very soon after this. Yeah. And we can just pick up uh, with the, the history point of this. Uh, you know. Going forward, you want to do that? You know what? That's a great idea because we don't ever want to walk away from a podcast thinking, oh, I wish I had mentioned that, but we always do. Yeah, that's right. So this way we can get everything in because I do have mm-hmm. a ton of material here. Yeah. Um, so let's just uh, let's stop for part one here. How about that? Yes. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people people in an unscripted, unvarnished way is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right. So, Scott... Uh, Mac writes into us. Um, hey, Mac, it, like the name. Yes, Mac is a uh, female, I believe. Too. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, just listened to the Wazuma and heard you guys' response to my email, uh, McKinsey and the Limo. Oh, okay. Made my day. So mm-hmm. we had responded to this That's earlier. Right. Yeah. Uh, and added, I'm still curious about the details of catalytic converters because on my car, I just had to get that replaced. So hmm. thanks for an awesome show. Yeah, you know what? Catalytic converters. That seems to ring a bell. Did we have a show on catalytic converters? I believe converters? we do have a show on catalytic converters. You know what, Ben? We're getting – I think we're we're above 400 episodes now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. we. It's been a wild ride, my friend. I think we are. So you know <laughs> what? If you uh, – Mac, if you give it a search on mm-hmm. uh, on our RSS feed maybe. Yeah. And, uh, and check it out. Um Search for that keyword, I think, and you'll you'll find something there. Yeah, that, done. that's one thing that we should pick up. And uh, – I, you know, until we read this out loud, I, I forgot about the limo, but that was cool. Yeah, that was that? cool. I do. Um, so, oh, and she mentioned the Wazuma, which is uh, that was another cool episode. I, oh, yeah. I, if you haven't listened to the Wazuma episode or, or don't know what we're talking about, uh, that that's one it's to worth check. the time. It definitely is. Oh my gosh! And if you have one, please write to us. Please <laughs> and share. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll take it for a test drive for free. Uh, so, yes, uh, interesting point. One reason we did need to read this email on air or this Facebook message is that um, some people might not know that our iTunes show, like the way you see it on iTunes, will cut off after a certain number of episodes. Yeah. So for shows like us or stuff you missed in history class or stuff you should know and tech stuff and other long-running shows, um, the best way to find an older episode is to go to our RSS feed. That's right. And it's as simple as just typing in Car Stuff RSS mm-hmm. or any other show that you want to look for. And uh, you'll be surprised at the number of shows. Like, uh, you know, when you go back to, uh, like, the history class. Uh, I'm sorry, stuff you, you missed in history class. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll be surprised at how many episodes they've got and how far back they go. And, and our show, I mean, we've, yeah. we're, we're going on, what, three or four years now? I don't even know. It's been a while. Four, like, really, like 400 episodes. So, you know, people may think there's only 20, 25 episodes, but uh, it goes way, way back. Yes, and uh, we would like to make some more episodes. And to make more episodes, we need to hear some suggestions. We always welcome these. Uh, so tell us what you think would be a good idea for us to podcast on uh, via Facebook or drop a line on Twitter. Uh, and please let us know uh, if you have a Rolls Royce story. Uh, another way to get in contact with us is to send us an old-fashioned email at carstuff at discovery.com. And don't forget to tune in for part two of the Phantom episode. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.